So if, if there are any international students listening, I would just advise them to not hesitate and just go talk to people. Talk to as many people as possible so that you make informed decisions and you plan your time and your path uh, better. Hey guys, welcome to Let's Talk Wiki USC. My name is Belinda Garana and I'm a PhD student in chemical engineering at USC. Wiki USC stands for Women in Chemical Engineering at USC and provides professional development, community networking, and outreach for women in chemical engineering and their supporters. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Sharma Sharada. Dr. Sharada is the Wise Gabalin Assistant Professor in the USC Mork Family Department of Chemical Engineering and Material Science, and our very own faculty advisor for women in chemical engineering at USC. She completed her bachelor's and master's degrees in chemical engineering at the Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay. After a brief stint in management consulting in Mumbai, she joined the PhD program at UC Berkeley, where she developed automated reaction path search methods and examined structure activity relationships in zeolite catalysts using quantum chemistry. Her postdoctoral research at Stanford University involved the development of accurate benchmarking databases for surface chemistry and density functional theory development using Bayesian learning approaches before she joined the USC Mork Family Department in fall 2017. Dr. Sharada, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Belinda. We're excited to start off 2021 with you. I know I just introduced you, but I also wanted to congratulate you on your accomplishments from this past year. In 2020, the ACS gave you the new investigator award. The Orange County Engineering Council gave you the outstanding young engineer award, and you were selected as a SILOG fellow for negative emission science. Can you share with us, what do you think were important factors that helped you succeed in both your academic and industry experiences? Um, the, the key thing that I would say, like, like apart from the, the standard thing of like working hard and, and making sure you have a, a well-defined set of goals at each stage was the fact that I, I had a lot of help from the people around me. So, um, trying to find the right mentors uh, who will make sure that you're on the right path, who will support you uh, in, in your goals is, is played a very key role in me being where I am today. Yeah, that's really great to hear. I definitely couldn't have made it to this point without my mentors, especially being a first-generation college student. I know um, it really helps to have someone who's already been through it help you along the way. So we'd love to hear more about how you got to this point exactly. 
How did your studies and industry experience influence your career path? And were you always interested in catalytic mechanisms and design? Uh, interestingly enough, I was not. So um, if you want me to go all the way back, um, I, I was interested in, in chemistry and chemical engineering from, uh, from my teens, actually. So more uh, chemistry, but in an applied sense. So I thought chem a chemical engineering program would be a good fit for me. Um, and I got a five-year dual degree, which is a bachelor's plus master's. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed like all aspects of learning about chemical engineering. Uh, on graduating, I, I, um, I felt like I needed to get some more industry experience before I could like figure out my path ahead. Um, and it, it turns out that I got a job in management consulting and, and not necessarily the chemical industry, but uh, it, it gave me uh, significant exposure to the business side of things. So uh, as a consultant, you get to see businesses operate at a very high level and then try to understand what is important to them and in what ways you can help them grow in, in particular aspects. Uh, and while that was a fantastic experience, uh, I learned how to uh, engage with people in a professional fashion. Uh, I gained an understanding of how you present uh, work to people uh, or a diverse audience. Um, there was no, there was very little science to it. And I missed the fact that I was a chemical engineer, that there's no chemistry involved. Um, so that's when I decided that I needed an advanced degree. Um, and I applied to PhD programs and, and, and then I moved here to uh, UC Berkeley uh, and continued on the same academic trajectory. So at, at Berkeley, um, I was quite open about the research area because all forms of chemistry and chemical engineering excited me. I was just very sure that I wanted to do computational work. Um, I realized early on in my undergraduate projects that um, I was rather not very good with my hands um, and I did not really enjoy it, but I loved mathematical modeling. I loved coding, I loved simulations. So I wanted to, to do a computational project and it worked out that um, two professors, one in chemical engineering and one in chemistry, uh, always co-advised a student who did primarily computational work that turned out to be catalysis and, and uh, computational chemistry. And I, it turns out that I really enjoy it. And so it's my uh, bread and butter now. I see. That's great to hear that you found your interest that way. And I agree from my experiences, I needed to try things out to figure out what I liked and what suited my strengths. So what kind of experiences did you seek out to figure out you liked computational work? Um, sure, so uh, in, in my third year of undergraduate, I did uh, an internship at a university called the Indian Institute of Science. Um, there, uh, I was on a, a combined experimental and modeling project. Um, it, it turned out that I enjoyed the modeling part more uh, than the experiments. And that's when I decided that this was my strength. 
Uh, I also enjoyed the advanced uh, modeling methods classes that we had as part of the dual degree. And, and that's where I realized that this is where my strength is. Um, when I was working in management consulting, the biggest thing I missed was the math. So that's what, why I wanted to move back to uh, modeling, simulations, computations, and so on. Yeah, so I hear you saying, you know, you missed the math and um, instead of seeking out a different job that would entail more computational or mathematical work, why did you instead um, pursue the PhD advancing your education? So um, two reasons. So at that point, uh, those kind of jobs, at least as far as I understood, uh, in, in India were rather scarce. There, there weren't many modeling positions that at least I was aware of. Uh, and secondly, uh, based on my interaction with, with people, um, both with and without advanced degrees, it, it seemed like in order for me to grow in a position where you get to do science as a scientist, a PhD was sort of a necessary prerequisite. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you mentioned the environment, you know, in India didn't have uh, the opportunity for modeling work. And so I was wondering if you could expand on for international students who may be listening, what was it like transitioning from studying at the Indian Institute of Technology to UC Berkeley for your PhD? I mean, culture shock is one thing, but how did you deal with adjusting to a new academic environment and a new culture at the same time? Uh, it was not easy. So there was quite a bit of stress in the beginning, um, A, because the, like the academic rigor is just as much as it was in IIT. So the courses were just as difficult, if not more. Um, and, and we were always working, uh, but I think the added stress was trying to figure out who your advisor is gonna be in a very short period of time when you're just adjusting to a new place. Um, I, what I should have done um, rather than being um, afraid to approach people was actually talk to current grad students more at that point so that I could have understood how the process works what are the things that I need to keep in mind and so on. I don't think I did enough of that um, because of, of my own inhibition of feeling like an outsider, which was unfounded. Um, everyone is so nice and helpful here. So if, if there are any international students listening, I would just advise them to not hesitate and just go talk to people. Yeah, that's really good advice. I'm the same way where I can be shy to ask for help. But like you said, everyone, I mean, at least at USC and the University of Washington, where I've been, have been really helpful and really want to make sure that you have everything you need to succeed. Um, another thing is for international students who may be reading US news and even for us here, you know, it has been a little scary lately, to say the least. So how do you cope with that extra stress while working from home? And how do you stay positive? 
For one thing, I talk to my family a lot. So um, it the, the part of the stress is the fact that we cannot travel um, because of visa restrictions and so on. And I know that that is true for international students as well. So I do end up like talking to my family a lot, uh, asking them how they've been, making sure that they're taking all the precautions necessary and so on. And then that helps, right? If I keep talking to them, I'm less stressed about them. Um, being so far away from home is the biggest reason for stress here. Uh, Work-wise, I, I am actually doing all right because our computational work can be done effectively even in a remote setting. So I'm rather fortunate that way. Um, and also having a dog helps. She's, she's been the light of my life. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have a dog too and I can do it without her. Um, I feel really lucky. Um, but also, you know, when the quarantine started here, previously I was doing experimental work and then I transitioned to a computational project and working remotely um, 100%. Um, so I know with computational work, maybe it's a little easier and maybe you're more used to it. Um, but for people like me who just started a few months ago, do you have any tips for self-care or how to balance work and life when you're at home? Yeah, it is definitely difficult for experimental people, right? I, I cannot begin to imagine like not being able to do the work that, that you're supposed to do. Um, uh, so what I have been doing at least is um, to walk or run every day with my dog. Uh, we get about two miles in every other day or so, which is quite nice. Um, but apart from that, I, I, I do take um, at least one day off a week to just do nothing. Uh, and I read a lot of um, fantasy books, especially the funny ones like Terry Pratchett or Neil Gaiman. I strongly recommend those. Okay, thank you. I'll look into that. Um, so obviously working from home and COVID and everything has been a new challenge for all of us. But um, are there other challenges that you faced in your career that come to mind and how did you stay motivated through them? Um, so professionally, I think um, one of the challenges is to try and understand what the job demands of you, right? Like, again, this goes back to me just not interacting with enough people to learn more. And I hope I'm getting better at that. But essentially, um, if I wanted an academic job, like how would I go about planning my final year of PhD, for example? Um, I'm not sure I did a very good job of that. I was pretty scattered about it. Uh, but Fortunately enough, I was able to get a very, very nice uh, postdoctoral position. Uh, and again, from transitioning from postdoc into an academic career, I could have planned better. So again, like for anyone who's listening, uh, talk to as many people as possible so that you make informed decisions and you plan your time and your path uh, better because the, the market is just getting more and more competitive and the more informed you are, 
um, you will get ahead of others who are probably just as competent, but not as well informed. That's a really good point. Something I've learned throughout my education, just meeting people is how important connections are in getting to that next step. You know, it's much easier to get somewhere where you know how someone else has gotten there or if they can help you connect with someone else who, who may have some more connections than they do. So yeah, that's a really good point. Exactly, and there's probably an inherent uh, barrier to approaching someone for help thinking they may say no, but 99% of the people I approach to ask for help are more than happy to help. They're waiting for people to ask them. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so, you know, as a professor, I'm sure maybe for undergrads, um, they know you as uh, an instructor first, um, but can you share with us, what does a typical day look like for you and what do you enjoy most about it? Of course. Um... So a typical day for me uh, would be uh, on the days that I teach, it's about two hours of teaching uh, and maybe an hour preparing for the class. Um, apart from that, my day consists of uh, meeting with uh, students in my research group where they share what they've been up to, something interesting they've found, um, and also uh, potentially every so often I meet with uh, collaborators and their students um, and uh, uh, I always try to devote some time in my day to a little bit of writing. Uh, it could be a paper, it could be a proposal, it could just be a, a set of ideas but uh, turns out it's very very important to know how to write um, in this job and almost any other job so I try to keep that practice up. Um, so this essentially takes up most of my day. The most enjoyable part of course is uh, the fact that I get to interface with students, be it in class or in my research group. It's, it's the most rewarding part of my job, the fact that I get to work with students all the time. Yeah, I would echo what you said that writing is super important. I mean, obviously in academia, always writing papers or applications, but wherever you go, being able to communicate your ideas effectively is a big deal, um, especially as a scientist or engineer. Yeah, and I don't think that is emphasized enough in a PhD program. There are courses on writing, but you need to be able to write every day. I regret not doing that. Yeah, exactly. I try to write every day, but <laughs> it can be hard sometimes to get that motivation. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, you're a great professor in chemical engineering. I really loved your course in heat transfer, but looking back, you know, I relate to you that I really enjoyed my chemical engineering degree, um, but do you think it was the best major for your research interests now? Um, in a way, yes. So the, the alternate major for me would have been chemistry where in my PhD, I would have uh, 
specialized in physical chemistry and been where I am now. Uh, but from a completely from from where I am now, I see that having an engineering degree kind of grounds my work uh, to the best extent possible in reality. Um, in that when I think of uh, creating or figuring out uh, uh, how to design a catalyst, I think more on the practical aspects of it, something that I would not have gained if I was purely a chemist. So I think having the, the additional perspective of an engineer uh, combined with uh, theoretical or computational chemistry gives our, our group a bit of an edge. That's so true. I mean, in my undergrad, I really not only learned about, you know, transport and thermodynamics, all these engineering fundamentals, but I also learned about, you know, practical aspects, like you said, how can this process be scaled up? Is it sustainable? Things like that, that are very important when you're talking about actually implementing a solution, it needs to be um, practical on the business side and um, obviously safe and everything. So I do feel that even though I'm not directly using, you know, traditional process engineering in my work, it does give me that mentality of an engineer. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I think in that sense, chemical engineering is very powerful and versatile in that it, it's useful whether you branch into bioengineering, catalysis, uh, what have you. Yeah, there are so many opportunities and different avenues that you could take after a chemical engineering degree. Um, so one last question, what advice do you have for students who are also interested in catalytic mechanisms and design? Sure, I can speak for the computational side of things because I don't know the experiments myself. Uh, but, but the nice thing about a lot of the, the tools that we use, uh, while some are proprietary software that you need supercomputers for, a lot of um, associated tools are open source. So if you find yourself uh, wanting to explore whether this is something that you will like, the barrier is very low. Um, so when undergraduates come to me ask, like, asking for projects, the first thing that I have them do is try out uh, these simple software, which can either be just uh, uh, GUIs, like graphical user interfaces, or uh, simple Python programs. And if they feel like they're getting more and more interested in it, then we get started on a project together. So the, the barrier to figuring out whether you like it or not is really low. Um, so if you're interested, you can talk to any members in my group and they'll guide you to like these open source software that you can try out. And if it excites you, you can come talk to me. That's awesome. And I would also like to add like you mentioned, approaching grad students is a really great thing to do if you're curious about research, because I know professors are very, very busy and they may not get to your email, <laughs> um, but every PhD student I've met has always been 
really encouraging of undergraduates. So yeah, I would definitely recommend reaching out and having those experiences to see if it's something you're really interested in. So thank you again, Dr. Sharada, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Belinda. And this is a wonderful idea. Yeah, um, I hope everyone can, you know, learn more from this and I hope it helps a lot of students out there. So where can our students listening connect with you online? Well, we have our research website, which is sharada-lab.usc.edu, um, or my uh, email, which is s.sharada.usc.edu. Great. So to our listeners, stay tuned for our next podcast on February 24 with highlights from our second annual industry panel, which will be held virtually on February 18 at 5 p.m. over Zoom. You can submit questions for the industry panel live at the event on Twitter with hashtag Let's Talk Wiki USC or by email to wikiusc at gmail.com. For more information, check out our website at wikiusc.com. From all of us at Wiki, thanks for listening.